Welcome to Dunedin Stories in Sound, a podcast series created by Sarah Mankelo, who is completing a science communication internship at the University of Otago. This podcast is part of an ongoing project, Aotearoa Stories in Sound, produced by Professor Nancy Longnecker at the Centre for Science Communication. With nature always close by, a vibrant cultural scene and an interesting history, there is plenty to see and do in Ōtipoti, Dunedin. There is also plenty to hear, and if you listen, you will hear the stories in the soundscapes. People laugh and talk, eat and dance in the octagon. In St Paul's, just up the road, you might hear the Southern Youth Choir performing with the cathedral doors open to the street. Traffic speeds down Great King Street, heading north. All over the city there are pockets of wild green space. But for all the interesting sights and sounds in Dunedin, there are some that are particularly meaningful. Dunedin is an ocean city. Even in the octagon, you can hear seagulls cry from the tops of streetlights. To paint you a picture, Dunedin is bordered by an expansive wild coastline kissed by the Pacific Ocean. And downtown Dunedin sits at the end of a long passage, where the Pacific Ocean weaves its way between the Otago Peninsula and the mainland, forming the Dunedin Harbour. This unique geography and connection to the Pacific Ocean means Dunedin supports a huge diversity of wildlife. Dunedin is often said to be the nature capital of Aotearoa. For centuries, people have lived here alongside the water and the wildlife it supports. And here in Dunedin, the ocean and its marine life are deeply tied to the city's history and sense of identity. Kia ora and welcome to episode 2 in Dunedin Stories and Sound with me, Sarah Manktelo. With a degree in ecology and music, I am captivated by the environment and by the sounds of nature. In this series, we consider the ways we connect with our local environments through sound, uncovering stories that these sounds can tell us. In this episode, we tune into the stories and sounds found in Dunedin's marine environment. We take an oral cruise down the Dunedin Harbour while exploring life and sounds found below, on top of and above the water. Along the way, we speak to two locals who are working to connect people with Dunedin's marine wildlife and stories. We hope by sharing some of these stories, it will inspire you to explore and appreciate local wild spaces and to tune in to acoustic Aotearoa. I'm aboard the Monarch, 
which is an iconic boat in the city that has been taking people on wildlife cruises of the Dunedin Harbour and Coast for more than 35 years. Alrighty folks, well kia ora and welcome aboard the Monarch. So my name is Aaron and I'll be your skipper this afternoon. Driving the boat, staying up here in the wheelhouse. Currently, we're docked at Port Chalmers, a small town 10 kilometres up the Dunedin Harbour. It's a sunny winter's day and the water is calm and glassy. Other passengers are rugged up in scarves and hats with binoculars or cameras strung around their necks. I'm here to get in touch with Dunedin's marine environment. As well as experience it for myself while aboard the Monarch, I thought I'd talk to someone who has a special knowledge of the life and history in the Dunedin Harbour. I'm Neil Haraway. I've owned Monarch Wildlife Cruises for nearly nine years, um, having worked in Dunedin pretty much all my life and uh, worked in documentary, wildlife documentary, for most of the time. And this business appealed to me because we're taking people to see the wildlife of this coast and we're telling wildlife stories but just one busload or one boatload of people at a time instead of out to unseed millions watching television around the world. I had the pleasure of speaking to Neil as we sat inside the cabin of the Monarch while it was docked by the wharf in downtown Dunedin. I grew up in North Otago, Kurao, the Waitaki Valley and came to Dunedin in 1973. Um, I travelled a lot been around the world many, many times, um, but always glad to come back to Dunedin. And uh, I, I think it's a really special place with the hills and the harbour and the coast, the wild coast, so it's got a lot of environments. Looking out at the landscape from my spot on the Monarch, it amazed me that this whole other watery world is right at our doorstep here in Dunedin. That's the other great thing about this boat and taking people out is that we leave from a city you know 100,000 people or more and we go down the harbour shipping lane past the port and then we go out through the entrance and suddenly you are in a different world Um, you're seeing bits of it in the harbour but when you're out there suddenly that ocean is huge you know biggest ocean on earth and we're only seeing one little fringe of it and the animals we're seeing are only, you know, a very few of the animals that the Pacific supports. Mm. Um, so albatross, you know, many more of them further south, but mm. we're lucky enough to see them here. Mm. And marine mammals too, like whether they're cetaceans or um, seals. So it's, it, it does take people into another world getting out there. I asked Neil about how the sounds and the soundscape contributed to the experience of being on the ocean. For guests, part of the immersion is the sound of the wind and the waves. Um, You're at sea. And if it's calm, then the sounds are very subtle uh, and you're hearing more of the animals. If it's windy, then you're really conscious of the wind. And if if it's been a big storm, you're hearing the crash of the waves against the rocks. Um, So, which is, you know... Quite awe-inspiring, very powerful noise of of, uh, water against rocks. And the calls of the animals are often new to any visitors. You know, most of them are international people, um, so never have seen or heard an albatross or a sea lion. Um, 
or a whale um, or cormorants. So, yeah, um, there's a lot of calls that they wouldn't notice. Mind you, there's a lot of sites they don't notice either, mm. but it's our job to point it out to mm. them. As part of this series, I was interested to learn how sound could hold meaning to different people. I played some sound clips to Neil to see if they evoke some sort of feeling or memory. That's the Monarch engine. Yeah. So what's interesting about the Monarch engine is that you hear it all the time on the boat and it actually gets in the way of the soundscape that's out there. The skippers do shut the engine off if there's something special happening. So often if we see the albatross calling Mm. with their sky calls up on Tairoa Head, the skippers will turn the engine off so so people can hear it properly. Mm. That high, you know, kind of noise that the albatross make. Mm. Um, Or if we're out out at sea and there are dolphins around, they'll they'll turn off and you... you know, of the, of the blow. Um, yeah, or if, if there are quite a few other seabirds around and it's a nice calm day and it just turns off so people can f- be out there and be immersed without the sound of the boat. But I, I live on the other side of the harbour from the shipping lane. Now I can hear the Monarch engine on the other side of the harbour and it might be quite faint, but it just... It's now so recognisable too. I played Neil another sound, this time the bark of a whakahau, or a hooker sea lion, one of the special marine mammals you will find in the Dunedin Harbour. Hooker sea lions were wiped from the mainland due to hunting activity, and only in the last few decades have they returned and their numbers increased. Sounds like a sea lion huffing. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, I mean, for me, sea lions are really special. I spent three months filming sea lions on Enderby Island in the Aucklands uh, years ago, 1980. A thousand animals on the beach, and they are incredible animals. You know, the bulls are 450 kilos. They are huge animals, strong. Females are much smaller than that, um, but they gather together. And now seeing them come back to the mainland is great. Um, very different to fur seals because they're not afraid of anything, really. They're curious, they're playful, they're intelligent. Um, we often see them uh, hunting up and down the harbour. Usually we see them thrashing octopus to bits, eating octopus, but we have seen them chasing and killing fur seal pups. One seemed to specialise and it was... Uh, it, we saw it kill at least half a dozen pups in the one season. And I've, I've always walked out on the beaches here, uh, taken my kids, and um, even the earliest days before there were any pups being born, there were sea lions here, and I was always loved mm. seeing them out there, and I love seeing them on the beaches, and it's great that they are increasing in numbers slowly. Sea lion calls are definitely some of the more unusual and special voices in the harbour soundscape. As we heard in the first episode of Dunedin Stories and Sound, the acoustic ecologist Murray Schaefer theorised that something called a sound mark 
is an acoustic feature of a soundscape that is thought to be distinctive to a particular place, a bit like a landmark in a landscape. Can you think of any sound marks in the Dunedin Harbour? In Otago Harbour, the horn of the ships is one of the distinctive sound marks that lets you know you're in a harbour and there's a ship coming up that narrow channel. Usually when they're coming through the islands, they sound their horn. Or if they're coming closer to the um, city and there are dinghies, sailing dinghies from the yacht clubs or rowing skiffs from the rowing clubs in their way, they'll blast the horn. So uh, I always associate that with the harbour. And then I have to say the call of the oyster catchers um, kind of they, they fleet by and then they're gone and you often don't even see them but you just know you're you're there um, so that's very cool the call of the toro the albatross on taro ahead is another sound mark that you won't get anywhere else in new zealand uh, offshore islands yes so you know you're in dunedin um, when you hear that I thought it was interesting how the man-made, mechanical noises of ships and shipping horns had developed important meaning in the marine soundscape. Working on a harbour in a city um, also means that human sounds are part of the soundscape. And so whether it's the volunteer fire brigade siren or the sound of rowers and their coaches behind them with the megaphone, um, that's part of the soundscape that I associate with uh, Otago Harbour. The, the, the low rumble of ships' engines is something that has struck me when I first came to Dunedin, having grown up inland, and then having a house above the harbour. You'd wake up at night with a... Boom, 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 boom. What's that? And it's a big ship going past with a big slow engine. Amazing, the, the impact that shipping noise has made on um, populations of marine mammals particularly. And how easy it would have been to make ships quieter, mm. if, if anybody had known when yeah. shipbuilding started, um, and even just the difference it makes for ships to go slower in, sh- in busy shipping lanes where there might be migrating whales, say. Back on the Monarch, I was starting to get a better idea of life and sounds in the Dunedin Harbour. But we only hear and see a small fraction of what is going on with the ocean, and I was curious about life and sounds under the water. I thought I'd talk to someone who treats the Dunedin Harbour like his personal swimming pool. My name's uh, Tom Bliss, I'm an investment advisor for Forsyth Bar, 52 years of age and married with three children. Um, when it comes to the weekend I like a bit of R&R, and my R&R is uh, dive mastering for Diver Targo. I spoke to Tom one rainy evening while we sat in his garage between boating equipment and bits and pieces of diving gear. As with Neil, I played Tom some sounds to see if they evoked any sort of feeling. That sounds like either an albatross or a sea lion. Yeah, it's a sea lion. I thought it was a sea lion. Yeah, no, we have a lot of interactions with hooker sea lions, so they are quite unique to um, that area. Uh, very playful. Um, got some good footage of them underwater. So they come down, um, they nibble on your fins, um, bite your arms, only play biting, uh, bite your head. That's a bit disconcerting, especially the big males, but you can feel it's only chewing on your neoprene. Do you have a favourite spot to dive in Dunedin? 
Uh, Favourite spot? Uh, there's actually three. I can't really pick one. Um, the harbour's be, uh, pretty shallow, so you can only dive really in three areas. Uh, one is Weller's Rock, uh, one's Otako Wharf, and the other is the Aramoana Mole on the wrecks. Mm, yeah, trying to pick between the three. Pretty tricky because they're, uh, they're all really good and they're all very different. What keeps drawing you back to dive in the Dunedin Harbour? There's absolutely tonnes of marine life under there. Mm. So, um, you know, I've dived uh, the Poor Knights, which is supposed to be one of the um, greatest places to dive, according to Jack Cousteau. I've been up there six times. It is an amazing place. Um, but just local in a very small environment, mm. Dunedin, um, it's just absolutely packed with marine life, uh, particularly at Wellers Rock and Otako Wharf, um, around the wrecks um, up at Aramoana. So we're very lucky to have those wrecks in shallow water. They're all open pretty much, um, go all the way out to the end. Um, they're all completely encrusted in sponges and yeah, there's nudibranchs all over the place and everything's seasonal, so it will change. Uh, so we get into winter, different creatures appear, some disappear, so yeah, and they're all very good. What does it sound like under the water when you dive? Underwater, um, it's basically exhalation bubbles, um, pretty noisy. Um, the odd uh, boat um, sound travels uh, pretty far underwater, but um, your ears um, are obviously uh, designed uh, for direction. Um, above water and underwater, you can't tell which direction it's coming from. Uh, one thing, um, I suppose, which you don't want to hear is uh, underwater, it's very silent often, and that's very relaxing. <laughs> There's no noise. Yeah, really... It's just the absolute silence because your ears are obviously filled with water under the neoprene hood, uh, unless I'm wearing a full face mask, which has a communication system and it's very annoying. It beeps in my ear. Um, you get the odd dive from your dive computers, they beep uh, to give you warnings. So, um, I don't know um, if you're low on air, uh, you're coming up too quickly, and so on. Um, what else? Um, the exhalation bubbles themselves, the deeper you go, the more narcosis affects you. Now, it's not so much in the harbour, although the deepest part of the harbour is at Wellers Rock, um, which we did, uh, was it last weekend or the week before, and got down to about 23, 24 metres. So, at Slack high, you can only do it at slack, uh, you're probably getting down to about 26. But when you exhale at depth, um, everything is under immense pressure. So the sound of your exhalation bubbles um, at shallower depths is quite noisy and raucous. When you're down at depths and deeper than that particularly, so if you're at 40 metres, which is the maximum we tend to go to on air, it's uh, quite an amazing sound. But I don't doubt for a minute you also half stone from narcosis which makes it sound even better. Back on the Monarch, we've just reached Weller's Rock, one of the spots Tom recommends for good diving in the Dunedin Harbour. From here you can see the mouth of the harbour, the Aramoana Mole, and the vast open Pacific Ocean in the distance. That's where we'll be heading next, to Tairo ahead and beyond, where if we're lucky we will see and hear Northern Royal Albatross.
This was episode two in Dunedin Stories and Sound. In the next episode, we continue the oral cruise of the Dunedin Harbour and hear more about life, history and sound in Dunedin's marine environment. Along the way, we'll hear more from Neil. We'll also hear from Jennifer Catamol, a music educator at Otago University, as she discusses the Māori cultural perspective of listening to nature through the practice of tāanga pōro, or traditional Māori music making. This series is part of the Aotearoa Stories and Sound project, a project out of the Otago University's Centre for Science Communication that is recording and compiling meaningful sounds from around New Zealand and sharing stories about them. Podcasts in this series are available on the Otago Access Radio website. If you're interested in hearing more about the stories and sounds found in local wild spaces, have a listen to the podcast series Tune Into Nature with Karthik SS, which can be found on Otago Access Radio, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The sea lion calls in this podcast were kindly provided by Steve Brony. Thank you to Nancy Longnecker at the Centre for Science Communication. Music for this podcast was from Blue Dot Sessions. Kia ora and thank you for tuning in today. You've been listening to Dunedin Stories in Sound, a podcast series created by Sarah Mankelo, who's completing a science communication internship at the University of Otago Centre for Science Communication. For further episodes in this three-part series, look for Dunedin Stories in Sound on the website oar.org.nz.